Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. I'm John Leahy. Thanks again so much for being with us on the podcast this week. We had a great time last week. We were talking with Lisa Pride, who is the play-by-play voice of the Jupiter Hammerheads and the Palm Beach Cardinals in the Florida State League. Lisa had a tremendous story to tell. Uh, She was uh, wonderful, the wife of former Major Leaguer Curtis Pride. And if you missed that episode, uh, please feel free and go back and check it out. All the episodes that I've done here on the podcast can be accessed through LeahyStorytelling.com. That's L-E-A-H-Y Storytelling.com. And uh, it's really a fun website to uh, take a look at. There's a lot of neat things to navigate. There's uh, a voice messaging system. You can leave me a voice message. There's a purple microphone at the lower right of each page of the website. There's also a section where you can leave a review. Uh, You can leave a certain number of stars for any episode that you listen to from zero to five stars. You can also leave a written review, and I encourage and welcome all comments. There's also a video section. You can check out some of the uh, music that I've done. In fact, I just uploaded a song uh, this past weekend, and uh, that is up there. So if you'd like to check that out, uh, please feel free. There's also a blog, which uh, I'll be adding to in the very near future. There's a couple of blog entries up there now, but I'm going to be adding to that in the very near future, especially with uh, college hockey right around the corner. And so there's a lot of fun stuff there and a lot of fun stuff that's going to be posted in the future. Let me give you a sense of what is happening in the weeks ahead on the podcast. I don't have any guests scheduled uh, this week. We have a lot of uh, construction going on here at the house, and things have been kind of crazy. Uh, So uh, I will not have a guest this week. And in a moment, I'm going to tell you what today's episode uh, is focused on. But in the weeks coming up here on the podcast, coming up next week, On the podcast, we are going to take a look at the sports information business, and it's very uh, important to us college broadcasters. We rely on sports information directors, and we rely on them quite a bit. And uh, my guest next week on the podcast is going to be a gentleman that I worked with at Merrimack College for a few years, and uh, this gentleman has been Uh, at a lot of places, uh, and he's been very successful at a lot of places, and he just got hired as the uh, vice president of uh, sports information and athletics at uh, Johnson & Wales. My good friend Pete DeVito will be with us next week, and uh, Pete is also a guy who's worked with the New York Jets and still does. So uh, Pete's a fascinating guy. We're going to have him on next week. Uh, Coming up in two weeks, We've got a real treat for you. We have got a college hockey preview as we turn the uh, calendar into the month of September. We are going to invite back on the podcast in two weeks Dave Starman, who is a uh, reputable, one of the one of the most rep- reputable uh, college hockey journalists in the country and broadcasters. And uh, Dave is going to take a look. Uh, at the College Hockey. We're going to do our preview. We're going to go around the nation, all the conferences. We're going to touch on some of the stories and current events that are going on in College Hockey. We had Dave on uh, much earlier in the early days of the podcast, and we're going to have him on in two weeks, and we're going to talk about the upcoming College Hockey season from a national perspective. And the week after that, 
We are going to do a Hockey East preview. At least that is the tentative plan right now. We're going to take that week's podcast on the road. In fact, we're going to head up to Merrimack College in North Andover, which is where I'll be broadcasting very soon. And we're going to uh, take a look at Hockey East. And uh, I've invited three people to be on the podcast, uh, four actually, as uh, Mike Macknick, Mike McMahon, who are very close closely related to Merrimack College, and uh, Ian Beauchene, also who's been a contributor to the podcast. Those three gentlemen have uh, been invited. Uh, I think Ian for sure is going to be with us. We're waiting on uh, the two mics. And uh, once we get confirmation from them, uh, I'll let you know if they're going to be joining us. Also, I'd like to have uh, Coach Scott Borick uh, jump on with us, if it's possible. Uh, Scott has a very, very uh, rigid schedule up there at Merrimack, so I'm going to be reaching out to him. But uh, that's what we have planned for the next three weeks on the podcast. So uh, really great stuff, and I hope uh, you can tune in for any or all of the episodes. Well, today uh, I have kind of a two-part uh, subject matter that uh, I'd like to touch on. Uh, recently we had the passing of Vin Scully, and uh, I talked about this with Lisa Pride a little bit last week. She gave us her thoughts about Vin as a broadcaster and a person, as did I. But uh, I'd like to uh, just kind of expand on that topic, uh, give you uh, some background information, maybe some personal observations of my uh, listening and watching Vin Scully. And then at the end of the podcast episode, uh, I'm going to just uh, talk about some of my fa- my favorite uh, baseball anecdotes that I've collected over the years. Vin was such a marvelous storyteller. In fact, I think he's the greatest storyteller that ever lived, uh, at least in the sports world. And uh, I wanted to take an opportunity just to take a few of the tidbits that I've collected over the years. And let me tell you, I have a very large collection of tidbits on my laptop of uh, baseball stories, funny stories. I-, I-, I like to look for the obscure stuff which is uh, what I always tried to work into my Lowell Spinners broadcast. So I thought it'd be kind of fun in the spirit of Vince Scully just to bring up a few of the uh, cool anecdotes that I've managed to collect over the years. So let's get right into it. Vin, of course, passing away just recently at the age of 94 in Southern California. He was a guy who was actually born in the Bronx, so you'd think he'd be a Yankee fan, but he grew up in Manhattan, and he grew up... Uh, really is a big fan of the Giants. And one of the interesting things about Vin is that he never saw Ebbets Field in Brooklyn before broadcasting his first game there. Now, Brooklyn holds a very special place to me because it was in Brooklyn that I uh, did my last game, as it turned out, with the Lowell Spinners. Uh, The ballpark then was called MCU Park, but Brooklyn has such a rich baseball history, and that's where it all got started for Vin. But I can only imagine uh, what he went uh, through uh, emotionally when he saw Ebbets Field and had the chance uh, to broadcast at that ballpark. And, of course, Vin was with the Dodgers for 67 years, starting in Brooklyn and then moving west to Los Angeles. It is the longest association with any single team in professional sports history. Although the uh, Dodgers' Spanish broadcaster, uh, Jamie Jaron, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. He's right behind Vin. I think he's at 65 years doing the uh, Dodger games on Spanish radio. But uh, 67 years, that is just an incredible, incredible accomplishment. Uh, Vin, although he was most closely associated with baseball, also called football in his career, and I remember him doing games with Alex Hawkins 
who was his color commentator. Evin was also a guy who uh, covered golf for CBS. And uh, a lot of people don't know that Vince, Vin also served in the United States Navy for two years. And for him, it got started at Fordham University, where he helped to fi- uh, found the radio station WFUV. And uh, to this day, they present the Vin Scully Lifetime Award uh, for broadcasters that are associated with that station. And, of course, Vin was a great ball player at Fordham. He played center field, wore the number 17, hit only one home run in his career, and uh, that uh, was at Fordham. And it all started for Vin when he was recruited by Red Barber. And it all started with college football. In fact, it started right here in Boston when uh, they asked Vin to do a game at Fenway Park between uh, Maryland and Boston University. It was a frigid day, and Vin left his coat and his gloves back in the hotel room, and he didn't realize it was an outdoor uh, press box uh, type setup, and uh, Vin went and uh, was quite cold doing that game, but he never expressed his uh, discomfort on the air, and uh, he really won a lot of supporters uh, from the work he did that day. And uh, Red Barber, from that experience, went on to kind of promote Vin to do more games. And uh, then the, his career started to uh, steamroll. Um, he, was, he is still, to this very day, the youngest person to ever broadcast a World Series. That record still stands to this very day, and it may never be broken. The Dodgers voted him the most memorable personality in franchise history, and there is no uh, arguing the extent of Vin's popularity in Southern California. The road that leads up to Dodger Stadium was renamed in his honor. The press box at Dodger Stadium is named in his honor. And uh, I'll tell you, he is an iconic figure, was an iconic figure in uh, Southern California. And uh, that will never change. He uh, probably, I think, the most difficult, one of the most difficult uh, times in Vin's career with the Dodgers was the night he had to make the announcement of the passing of Don Drysdale, who was one of Vin's uh, color commentators. Don passed away in Montreal when the Dodgers were there on a road trip, and uh, Vin really showed his professionalism and his compassion when he had to tell the world that uh, one of his close friends and color commentators had passed away. And it was a very sad day up in Montreal. The final game that Vin did was at Oracle Park in San Francisco on October 2nd, 2016. And uh, it seemed kind of fitting, for lack of a better word, that Vin passed away. When Vin passed away, uh, the Dodgers were in San Francisco. So the Giants put up a, a nice tribute to Vin on the video board there. And they also lowered the flags to half staff. So very classy uh, classy gesture by the San Francisco Giants. Uh, one of the coolest things I read about Vin as I was doing prep was that Vin actually broadcast two games in two cities on the same day. It happened back on June 3, 1989. Vin was in St. Louis. He was calling the matchup between the Chicago Cubs and the St. Louis Cardinals. That game went 10 innings. Now, that was uh, for the NBC Game of the Week. Vin used to do that. He used to call a, a game of the week, and uh, this was, of course, in addition to his duties with the Dodgers. So on this particular day, he was in St. Louis at Bush Stadium. The Cubs and Cardinals went 10 innings. And then Vin flew to Houston, where he was scheduled to broadcast the Dodgers-Astros game on Sunday. 
So Ben gets into town on Saturday, and he heads to the Astrodome instead of going to his hotel. Well, the Dodgers-Astros game went into extra innings, so Vin uh, winds up going into the broadcast booth, and he helps out uh, the broadcast crew with the game going as late as it did. Vin wound up calling the last 13 innings of that game. It went into a 23-inning ball game, and uh, Vin called the 13 innings uh, to help out his broadcast crew, and uh, that was one of the more memorable uh, moments for Vin. And, uh, you know, how can you uh, narrow down uh, the uh, great moments in Vin's career? But that's one that I picked out as uh, he helped out his uh, broadcast crew at the Houston Astrodome. Uh, he is a, such a decorated uh, sports broadcaster. Uh, Vic, uh, Vin won the uh, Ford Frick Award back in 1982. He won a Lifetime Emmy Award, and he's got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. When, if you're ever in Los Angeles and you're checking out or Hollywood, if you're checking out the Hollywood Walk of Fame, you want to go to 6675 Hollywood Boulevard. And, that, and it is there that you will find Vin Scully's star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And, of course, there were so many memorable games that uh, Vin called. The first game that... Uh, I associate with Vin was back on April 8, 1974, down at Fulton County Stadium in Atlanta, the Los Angeles Dodgers taking on the Atlanta Braves, and Hank Aaron hit his 715th career home run, eclipsing the mark of Babe Ruth. And I remember watching that clip as uh, recently as two days ago, and I remember Vin's call saying, uh, you know, the game was uh, broadcast in the Deep South, and Vin said something to the effect of, and they're going crazy here in the Deep South as a black man has broken Babe Ruth's all-time record. It's a great moment for baseball. And uh, that home run came off Al Downing. It was hit over the left field wall at Fulton County Stadium in Atlanta, and it was Tom House who pitched for the Red Sox for a while. He caught the ball in the bullpen. And, one of the things that Vin did in the context of making that call was that he simply laid out after the uh, home run was hit. You know, a lot of broadcasters have a tendency to over-talk, but Vin uh, simply just laid out. He said nothing and let the picture tell the story as Hank was running around the bases. I remember there was a fan who had uh, run onto the field, and he was running side-by-side side with Hank Aaron, and Vin just wanted to capture the moment. And so he just laid out, and it is a skill that all broadcasters should learn to do. Also, there was the 1986 World Series game between the Red Sox and the Mets at Shea Stadium, a game that is most uh, remembered by the error committed by Bill Buckner, a ground ball by Mookie Wilson, that went right through Buckner's legs, and the Mets would score the winning run as uh, they uh, went on to win that game on that play, and then they won game seven. But uh, I remember exactly where I was on that night. I was uh, 22 years old, almost 23, watching the game over at a friend's house. And uh, we all sat stunned in front of the television watching that play. But Vin described it perfectly. And uh, that was another watershed moment in his career. Of course, he also called an all-star game with President Ronald Reagan. And that game, I remember Bo Jackson hit a home run, and Vin called it. And 
He, I remember try, him trying to encourage President Reagan to jump in on some play-by-play. And of course, uh, that's where President Reagan uh, got his early start doing games, and it was appropriate. I believe that All-Star game was held in Southern California. So uh, that was uh, a quite, quite the moment. And uh, to have a president in the booth with you, and uh, what a special time that was. There is a, an unofficial biography about Vin, which was written by a gentleman by the name of Kurt Smith, who we had on the podcast many months ago. It's called Pull Up a Chair, and I have that in my library. And uh, if you uh, get a chance, please uh, feel free to read that book. It is an unofficial biography of the life of Vin Scully. Vin was a, a devout Catholic, a, a devout Christian, who... Uh, made compassion an art, and he was, uh, as I said last week, he was a Hall of Fame broadcaster, but uh, even uh, he was even better of a human being, and my only regret is that I didn't have a chance to meet Vin, but uh, there's so many uh, great things people had to say about him, and I remember listening to Dodger games on the West Coast uh, with him broadcasting. I would drop everything to tune in. And uh, he is the gold standard. He's a person that I've tried to replicate and uh, try to uh, be like. And uh, I hope some of Vin has rubbed off on me. So just a couple of uh, thoughts there about Vin as I transition now into uh, some of my favorite uh, baseball uh, clips or stories, if you will about uh, things I've collected over the years because Vin was such a great storyteller. There are, there are videos of Vin's preparation and his preparation style. You can still see him on YouTube. And, you know, collecting stories is a part of what uh, baseball broadcasters do. So I'll share some of my favorites here. We'll make it a relatively short episode today, but uh, this should be kind of fun. Uh, some of the... Um, stories that I have in, on my laptop here I'm going to relate to you. The first one was a collision during an All-Star game. Pete Rose was barreling toward home plate with a deciding run in the 1970 All-Star game at Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati. Rose went barreling into the American League catcher at the time, Ray Fossey, who was playing for the Oakland A's, and barreled him over, and that was the final play of that game as Rose scored the game-winning run and Ray Fossey wound up with a separated shoulder. Well, I bring up this story because Pete Rose actually spent his prison time, which uh, he had to serve for tax evasion, in Marion, Illinois, which happens to be Ray Fossey's hometown. So there's a connection. And Marion, Illinois is a place I've been to because when I worked in Kalamazoo, Michigan, I visited Marion, Illinois, as they were the home of the Southern Illinois Miners, a team that uh, just recently went out of business. So uh, that was the first uh, little tidbit that I came across. And I actually worked with Pete Rose's son. Pete Rose Jr. was a coach with the Florence Freedom, and uh, I was with him in 2010. So there's the first little uh, neat story. Then uh, I have a little nugget here about Harmon Killebrew. Killebrew was a native of the state of Idaho, and he faced only one Idahoan pitcher in his whole career, a pitcher by the name of Johnny James, who was from Bonners Ferry, Idaho. Killebrew was one for three against James in his career. And so thanks for uh, Stathead for that uh, statistical uh, addition to that story. Another uh, cool little story I came across, a little uh, tidbit, Jack Webb. 
You might remember him from the television series Dragnet as uh, Sergeant Friday. His badge number in that show was 714. And that was in tribute, of course, to the great Babe Ruth and the number of home runs he hit in his major league career. So next time you're watching uh, an episode of Dragnet, try to zero in on Jack Webb's badge number. You're going to see it's 714. I believe they showed the badge in the opening credits, too. So uh, next time you're watching that, uh, be on the lookout for that. I have to talk about one of the... uh, (laughs) One of the most unique ball games ever played, July 5th, 1994. It was at Dodger Stadium, the Montreal Expos taking on the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the significance of that game was that it was the first Major League Baseball game to be broadcast in five languages. Now, Vince Scully and Rick Monday had the call in English. Uh, Jamie Jaron, of course, who is uh, still doing the games to this day, had the call in Spanish. My good friend Jacques Doucette, who I worked with in the Can-Am League, he had the call in French for the Expos radio network. Richard Choi was doing the game in Korean, and Stephen Cheng had the call in Mandarin. So I imagine that uh, that may be a little more common these days, although uh, the only team that could really have French uh, on their broadcast now are the Toronto Blue Jays, I would guess. So, But uh, that was cool, July 5th, 1994. The first MLB game to be broadcast in five languages. There was also a big rain in at the Houston Astrodome on June 15, 1976. It was a ball game between the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Houston Astros. Ten inches of rain fell on the city, and the players from both teams were able to make it to the Astrodome, but the fans and the umpires were not. So the Astrodome, which was built to shield Houston uh, residents and fans from the elements. Uh, That did not uh, help on that day as the Pirates and Astros were reined in. Another Dodger tidbit that uh, I came across that Vin was there for was the night Fernando Tatis hit two grand slams in one inning in a game at Dodger Stadium. He, He became the first Major League Baseball player to hit two grand slams in one inning. And what made it even more remarkable is that both of the grand slams came off the same pitcher, Chan Ho Park. And he also became the first major league pitcher to give up two grand slams in one inning. So uh, these clips, these little tidbits are really fun to think back on, and I hope you're enjoying them as well. There was a player who also hit three home runs into three different bodies of water. Now, you remember what I said about how I love the obscure stuff. Luis Gonzalez was playing for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He hit a home run into a pool at the Diamondbacks ballpark. He hit one into McCovey Cove in San Francisco, and then he hit one into the Ray Pool in Tampa Bay. So he may, may wind up being the only player to homer into three different bodies of water. Uh, another cool little nugget here was that the first Major League player to get his 3,000th hit in his hometown was the great Al Kaline. And I'm sure Ernie Harwell was on hand for this one, the Tigers' great broadcaster. Uh, Kaline homered off Dave McNally September 24, 1974, at the old Memorial Stadium in Baltimore. Kaline with his 3,000th career hit in his hometown of Baltimore. And uh, another cool thing was that the Dodgers, as I transitioned back to Vin for a moment, 
when the Dodgers used to play in the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, that was such a big, big stadium that fans sometimes could not uh, get perspective on the action. They were too far away. So they would bring transistor radios to the ballpark, and they would listen uh, to Vin on their transistor radio. And I remember one time Vin uh, tried to encourage the fans to sing happy birthday to one of the umpires at the uh, Dodger Stadium. Uh, they continued the tradition when they went to Dodger Stadium, but uh, they did that uh, in both places. So uh, that was a cool thing. And, boy, when AM radio was, was hot for sports, uh, that's what uh, people did. And, and Vin really was the uh, catalyst for that. Vin was also in an episode of Mr. Ed, which was a TV show that uh, took place in the early 60s. This particular episode happened in 1963. Sandy Koufax pitched to Mr. Ed. Of course, now, if you're on the young side and don't know who Mr. Ed is, he was a horse. And uh, Sandy Koufax pitched to Mr. Ed in that episode. Vin appeared in the episode along with John Roseboro, who was the catcher on those Dodger teams. And uh, Mr. Ed, if you're wondering how he did in that at bat, he hit an inside the park home run. Well, naturally, what else would he do, right? A couple of other cool uh, little uh, tidbits I have for you. Uh, that Vin really would have enjoyed. Uh, David Cohn, you might remember him, a pitcher for the Yankees and the Mets. Uh, David Cohn's mother-in-law was Joe Castiglione's ninth-grade biology teacher. Joe, of course, the legendary voice of the Boston Red Sox since 1983. And uh, that is uh, one of those strange connections that uh, is really cool to uh, think about. Reggie Jackson, you might remember the Hall of Famer Reggie Jackson. He went to the same high school as Benjamin Netanyahu. They attended Cheltenham High School in Winecote, Pennsylvania. Jackson graduated in 1964, and Netanyahu graduated three years later in 1967. Another one of my favorite little tidbits uh, involves a player by the name of Joel Youngblood who had two hits for two teams in two cities on the same day. Youngblood was a member of the Mets back in 1982 in a game at Wrigley Field. He had uh, a base hit in that game. And uh, then, right after the game, they informed Youngblood that he was to be traded. Youngblood was sent to the Montreal Expos, who were playing in Philadelphia on that day. So Youngblood, it was obviously a day game at Wrigley Field. The lights hadn't been installed at Wrigley yet, as uh, they didn't get put in until uh, 1988. So he played the day game at Wrigley Field. He hopped on a plane, flew to Philadelphia, suited up for the Expos, and he picked up a hit for Montreal as a pinch hitter uh, in that game. So that's uh, quite the story. Uh, how about this one? Uh, most number of home runs for a player with 10 or more letters in his name. And that honor goes to Ted Klazuski, who hit 49 home runs for the Reds in 1954. And uh, this is one that I love to talk about because uh, it's something that may never happen again. You remember Adam Dunn. He was an outfielder for the Cincinnati Reds. Dunn is the only player to hit a home run into another state. Now, let me uh, give you some context here. The Red's Ballpark, Great American Ballpark, sits on the Ohio River. And uh, across that river, is parts of it are considered the territory of Kentucky. Well, Dunn hit a home run against the Dodgers 
one night, and it completely left the ballpark, and it landed on a piece of driftwood 540 feet away from home plate. Now, the spot where the ball landed was considered Kentucky territory, uh, the state of Kentucky. So, technically, Adam Dunn hit a home run into another state. Now, since that happened, they've added uh, an extra deck to Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati, meaning that uh, that probably will never happen again. And uh, I remember working down in that area when I was with the uh, Florence Freedom in 2010, and uh, that is uh, quite the ballpark to uh, watch a game in. So Adam Dunn, the only player to homer into another state. And uh, in the world of PA announcing, <laughs> Sherm Feller once entered a Sherm Feller sound-alike contest on the radio here in Boston back in 1989, and he lost. So... <laughs> Uh, those are just some of the uh, stories that I've been able to gather and uh, stories that I think Vin really would have appreciated. Now, I have some other notes in my collection about uh, types of stats like uh, most home runs by a player whose last name starts with letter V, uh, most home runs uh, by uh, Zodiac sign, Sagittarius or whatnot, uh, most pitcher strikeouts, uh, starting with the letter M, and uh, I keep those uh, on my laptop. I have a, a little compartment area where I keep all that stuff, and I love to uh, bring those nice notes out during a broadcast. But uh, Vin took that to a completely new level. Uh, of course, he is, uh, his knowledge of the players uh, on both the Dodgers and the opponents uh, were legendary, and uh, if you ever have a chance to check out the video on how Vin Scully uh, prepares for a ball game. It's definitely worth a look because, uh, you know, no, no one did it better than him, and no one did it as consistently as him. And uh, I think we're all uh, a lot worse off not having Vin around to listen to. So uh, just a few random thoughts on this week in the uh, podcast, and uh, I'm going to wrap it up for today. And uh, once again, I want to remind you that uh, you can check out the podcast website at LahyStorytelling.com. Also, please feel free to uh, consider subscribing uh, to the podcast. We're available on uh, iTunes, Apple, and uh, Castro, I believe, and also Spotify. If you go to the website, uh, you'll prominently see the places where uh, the podcast uh, can be heard. So uh, I hope you'll take advantage of that. Again, I want to thank... Uh, Lisa Pride last week. And remember, coming up next week on the podcast, we're going to have Pete DeVito with us. We're going to talk some sports information. Uh, Pete says he's got some opinions on the world of uh, sports information. We're going to dive into how important sports information people are to us as broadcasters. So I'm going to keep it somewhat short today. But uh, thanks so much for tuning in. You've been listening to Airing It Out files from Leahy's broadcast booth. Please join us next week. Pete DeVito will be joining us. And uh, until we talk next week, this is John Leahy. Thanks again for tuning in. Hello, hockey fans. I'm Dan Rusinowski. 
Mitochondrial disease is a rare multi-symptom disease characterized by breakdowns in the mitochondria, which are specialized compartments that are present in every cell of the body except red blood cells and are responsible for creating more than 90% of the energy needed by the body to sustain life and support growth. A disease most commonly associated with children, currently there is no cure, just management of symptoms. Hugs for Mito Incorporated is mitochondrial disease, rare disease advocacy, awareness, fundraising for research trials, and hopefully a cure. To learn more, please visit hugsformito.org.